Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. You're listening to Fitzy and Hart on Boston Sports Original. WEI. One and two. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. He did snap off another slider and escape further trouble. The Red Sox tie the game, but they leave him loaded in the night. Kenley Jansen coming on to try to keep the game tied in Chicago. Another sad ending for the Sox. The red ones, that is. Adam Duvall, just two weeks back on the active roster after breaking his wrist, making an effort in center field back in April after he got off to a hot start, if you will. Not quite the same hitter that he was. He's rounding back into form, but he struck out with the bases loaded, and then you know how the rest of it went. Kenley Jansen came in in the bottom of the ninth. Gives up a run, not a blown save. He gets the L hung on him. Red Sox lose 5-4. to four. Today, 2.10 p.m., that's 1.10 Central for everyone listening in the Midwest. The Midwest, by the way, featuring two teams that are currently playing in London. What an interesting series that's been. Anyway, Sox 2.10 today from Chicago. The rubber match of the series, 1.10 p.m. for the Mass Mutual Red Sox pregame show. You got Fitzy and Hart with you here on WEEI 617. 617- Seven seven nine seven ninety three seven, right up until the pregame show. As we make our way, Andy, and our continuing discussion of who is under the most pressure on each respective team, and then ultimately in all of Boston sports, the great competitive, dynamic Boston sports landscape, we turn our attention to these Red Sox. And I wonder if there is even a player we would mention to be, quote, under pressure on the Sox right now, because I think the ire, all the attention, the frustration, all of it from Sox fans, analysts, and more is all directed at two spots who probably share offices on the same floor. And that would be your president of, or your, your general manager, if you will. I'm not sure exactly what the title is. Sam Kennedy is the president, correct, of the Red Sox? Yeah, I think Haim is the chief baseball officer. Chief, ba- the CBO. Why didn't you just say general manager? I don't understand the chief base. He's it. running the show. He is. Well, they always get thing. so weird with the titles. I don't understand that. Title schmidles, whatever. Um, Bloom's right, running the show. Exactly. You know who we can blame? Blame Belichick. Exactly. Yep. Uh, is there any one player on the Red Sox who you would include on our sort of like pressure meter, pressure scale, pressure gauge right now? Or is it basically just all Bloom and ownership that everyone believes is under pressure and needs to step up or get out 
I will put two players on the list. All right, very good. Player number one. For discussion, uh, Rafael Devers. You had three uh, foundational franchise players. Two of them are now gone. One was traded. One was allowed to leave as a free agent. The last remaining one was given a massive contract. And while his power numbers are good, he isn't really living up to that contract right now. He's batting, I don't know, 230 or something. I haven't checked lately, but uh, a couple days ago it was 230. Rafael Devers, I understand, you know, that you can't put it all on his shoulders. He can't be one to nine. He can only swing at the pitches that are thrown his way when he's up to bat. But I think Rafael Devers needs to be better. He is the centerpiece of this organization moving forward. So I'll pose him. And before we discuss him, I want to throw another player out there who's not on the current Red Sox roster but I think has ridiculous pressure on him. Ooh, I am intrigued. That was a nice in-segment tease. Go on, sir. That would be a double-A shortstop by the name of Marcelo Mayer, who is sort of the poster child for the future of the organization, the poster child of what Bloom wants to do in terms of drafting and developing players and Mm cost-effective contributors. I just feel like, and especially... You know, we all see um, the De La Cruz highlights out of Cincinnati. What he is? How about that twelve-game win streak? That team. Talk about a jolt of literally a jolt of life put into it in the form of one of the most exciting players I have seen to come up from the minors. A true prospect living up like just ever. He is one of the most exciting, impactful, immediate returns on investment players in the history of baseball. Like I know that sounds crazy. That's what he is right now for them, and the way he's done it with power and speed and hitting for the cycle in fewer games than anybody since 1900 or something. I feel like that's the expectations because of the way things have played out for the Holy Red Sox. Smokes. Look, Mayor Andy, faces. if I may, if I may, right now, look, Ellie De La Cruz, since coming up, okay, he has 64 at-bats, three dingers, 360 batting average. He has scored 18 runs in just 64 at-bats. 10 ribeyes, 8 stolen bases, mm-hmm. and OPS near 1,100. Yeah, and, and don't forget what he did uh, Friday night. It took him 6 innings to hit for the cycle. That's pretty good now. Pretty six, good. Six, I, I apologize. I missed this. We had a player hit for the cycle in the majors this season, and it was Ellie De La Cruz in the first quarter of his rookie season after a call-up, and it only took him 6 innings? Youngest player in 50 years. Holy Moses on rye with fries. Wow. And And you know what? That is not hyperbolic when you say this is maybe some of the greatest early return on investment from a prospect ever. It's amazing what he's doing. And I feel like Mayer, whenever he comes up, is going to face those types of expectations in this modern landscape. He's really good. He's a good baseball player, but he's not that guy. But if he's not him, if he's not that guy... Well, then, what is the plan? Because I feel like so many people with the Red Sox are searching for a plan, searching for what they can hook their wagon as a fan to for the future, and Mayer is one of those things. Certainly, Rafael Devers is one of those things, and I think for that reason, those two guys face probably more pressure or expectation than they probably Mm -hmm. should. Yes, uh, I I would agree. I want to ask you, do you think Alex Cora, who uh, we had a very lovely chat with this week on the Gresham Fourier program, um... Do you think Cora is under any pressure right now? Like, is is Alex Cora? And I agree with you about Rafi Devers. Uh, at last glance of his statisticals, Andy, on the season, and now almost three hundred at bats, seventy hits, eighteen home runs, a two forty three batting average, 
42 runs scored, 60 ribeye. Okay, so he's got some Long Johnsons. Great, he's uh, he's up there in the ribeyes. But his o his OBP, his on base percentage is barely over 300. Like that, that's got it. Like he's uh, it, look, he doesn't have the lineup protection that he used to have, and that he optimally would have if they had the right lineup, if they had all their guys healthy. But as Lou Merloni told us when he spoke with us on Friday, this isn't really so much a team right now as it is just an odd assortment of Jags, minor leaguers, career jobbers, some some prospects, a few really good players. Like It's the weirdest mix. I, I don't remember an odder mix, and sometimes it works. I think a lot of us probably thought this team would be much worse at this point. I think the win total on the season was 76.5, so they're on target to surpass that, barely. But it is truly one of the weirder mixes of players and chemistry on a team. And we've even heard that it's an odd locker room from guys like, maybe it was Tim Kirkjian. Oh, Ken Rosenthal said it was like, the word was it was a very odd locker room. And the team is the team is very odd. So maybe Devers can't just do it all on his own right now. But at least, you know, he's out there swinging, he's trying, but... What is he supposed to do when it's almost like there's a different lineup every other day? Someone is, it's the new, it's Reyes, the shortstop. He's dinged up. Uh, it's Reese McGuire getting dinged up. It's Duvall getting dinged up. You haven't seen Trevor Story. Kike Hernandez is in the middle. He's in a funk. He's hitting hot. He's he's on a hot streak. He's in another funk, whatever. Like, there's there are not a lot of constants on this team. The only constant of this team this year, really, Andy, is frustration. Mm-hmm. And, but fair or not, when you make the kind of money that Devers is making and the investment and and you're the chosen one. There were three, but you're the chosen one. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're going to face unfair expectations. You can't bat 240, even if you're ha- putting up the power numbers. And I think people are expecting there's going to be games, weeks, stretches where Devers can carry you offensively. And I don't think he's really done that. Like he has good numbers, good power numbers. Home runs, RBI, great. You're batting 240, and I don't know that you've carried your offense for any singular stretch, and that's what people expect out of him. Yeah, and this if there's ever been a time to try to get back into it so that you convince ownership and your chief baseball operator, if you will, uh, and everyone else that you should be invested in and they should buy, it's a time like now. The Yankees are only seven games over 500. Aaron Judge, at last glance, I believe I saw, has a – torn ligament in his toe he's like sidelined indefinitely right now the yankees aren't playing great the blue jays are underperforming uh they're five and five over their last 10 the yankees four and six no one in the al east is on fire as a matter of fact the best team over the last 10 games was the Sox, seven and three the entire american league by the way is just a big pile of men there's not the red Sox actually over the last 10 games funny thing is here we are saying like Ah, they're underperforming. These Red Sox aren't good enough. Why should I care at this point? I'm at the halfway point of the season. I'm already tired of complaining about them. They did have the best record in the entire American League over the last 10 games. Wow. Just a very just a a brutal stretch for everybody in the American League right now. I wonder if the Angels are actually going to catch fire at any point. Like if you can score 23 runs in 4 innings, don't you think a team like that should probably be able to rise up and above the morass of the rest of the AL West and actually finally see Trout and Shohei and company in the postseason, Andy? Well, they dominated, scoring 25 runs and winning 25-1 to over Colorado last night. So they That's should. what I'm saying. You get back 23 runs in the first back. four innings, you win 25-1, and they didn't even get any contributions from Otani and Trout in that game. Yeah, no, I, I 
the baseball right now is interesting. You know, you have a team like the Mets that are put together with money, star-studded. Eh, it's not really working. $345 million. Wow. Then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where you have the Red Sox where, as you said, it's like a weird collection of, of bodies and talents and journeymen and prospects and overseas additions. And, well, that's not really working either. It's it's a challenge to put together a baseball team and stay healthy over the marathon of a season. You know, and, and I don't... The Tampa Rays, obviously, they started ridiculous and can probably just cruise the rest of the year based on the start to the season. But, yeah, I don't... I, I'd love to see the Angels win just for one singular reason. I don't. I hate the pot shots at Mike Trout. Oh, like you have one with Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Are you going to tell me Mike Trout's not good? He's never won. I'm sorry. Baseball's tough to win. It's an interesting game. He's one of the greatest players that's ever walked the planet. So I would like to see, we talked about Tatum earlier and Club uh, Marino. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Mike Trout get out of Club Marino, get to the playoffs, win a series, make a run at a World Series, just because I think he is that damn great, and I don't like to see that cloud hanging over him. Well, as of right now, they're tied with Toronto for that last wild card spot, and they're only a half game up on Houston and two up on the Red Sox. Oh, the Red Sox, they're going to the wild card. We're going to play this game again in August oh and God. September. No, I, I I think if any team, and there already is a giant payroll on the Angels, full well knowing this could very well be the last year Shohei Otani plays for the Los Angeles Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim it, right near Disneyland, California, USA, whatever the hell the full name of that team is. At this point, they should be going for it. They absolutely should be going for it because you have a guy who might win the Cy Young and MVP. If you can't make the playoffs, if you can't make a postseason run, with literally, literally, Andy, the two best players in baseball on your roster, then what the hell is the point? What the hell is the point? Still entertaining. I mean, that's part of the point, right? I I guess that's part of the point. I like watching those guys play. (laughs) So do I. So do I. Don't you want to watch them more? Uh, What do you mean? Wouldn't you rather see the Angels make the postseason run? I will root for them to make the playoffs, to make a run, yes, because I'm sick of the easy labeling and mocking of, of the Angels and of Trout. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, that is, I'm all in on Mike Trout. I would love to, if the Red Sox can't win, then I'd like to see the Angels do it. I'm not exactly sure why you decided to just like sashay into that slightly mocking tone, but that's all right. It's a weird Sunday. We're kind of in one of those spells and spots, if you will. So as we exit this portion of the program and get ready to pay the bills and trend and move on with our under pressure ratings, can we all agree that it is... Heim Bloom, Raffy Devers, and Marcelo Mayer, who are under the most pressure on your Boston Red Sox. No. No? Joe, Heim, what's Heim you? Bloom is at the top, but yes. I would put John Henry second, and I would put Alex Cora third. Wow. Really? You put John Henry? So just Fenway Sports Group on the whole. Owner, so Heim Bloom, ownership. I wouldn't say Alex Cora. I mean, I think Alex Cora is doing his work, if anything— Maybe this is one of his best managing jobs. Look at the look at the, you know, Ocean State job lot of parts. Like they basically kind of put together like a very expensive dollar store baseball team with injury. Everyone's injured. And Cora somehow still finds a way to field a functioning lineup or get good starts when he needs it. Brian Bayo is doing an awesome job. That guy is money in the bank these days. Closest thing we have, Andy, to a must see Red Sox personality that you don't want to miss at least once every five days. I think Alex Cora's doing an awesome job. I do too. I don't he may lose his job eventually just because, you know, message runs out, you're not winning, it just sort of uh lateral damage to what's going on with the roster in Heim Bloom. 
but I don't I don't think he's under a lot of pressure because I think most people look at it and say, what the hell has Bloom put together? What yeah. what is he supposed to do? I mean, this isn't exactly the Ron Renicky roster where he doesn't have anybody that can pitch, <laughs> that but was... it's not far from it. The pitching no, is running not. out. We're getting close to who'd you want me to put out there? I didn't really have anybody else kind of You want me to suit up and be a player manager? Right. <laughs> right. So, he might be a better shortstop at this point. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I'd take the shot. He, I mean, he's put on a few pounds since his playing days. Like, he fills out those hoodies that he wears to the mound a little more than he would have Aww. normally. But I, I bet you he can still field a ground ball at a competent major league level. I agree as well. All right, so it's Bloom and for the Red Sox. We can agree to disagree on whether we think it's management or it's a positional player or a prospect who's under the most pressure, but it's Heim Bloom high atop the pressure meter for your Red Sox. 617-779-7937 is your telephone number if you would like to join the conversation. We will pay some bills. We will trend with Joe. When we come back, we will talk about your New England Patriots. Who is under the most pressure from ownership to coaching, management, and, of course, the 53, hell, at this point, it's still a 90. The All the players on the Patriots, who's under the most pressure this season? We'll talk Bruins, wrap it up, and then, of course, 12 o'clock, the Six Rings, Power Hour, talking all things football. Andy Hart's Sunday 7, available for your reading during the commercial break as well. But first, let's catch you up on everything else in the wide world of sports. Trending now with Joe Braverman. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Though you may be at your most leisurely in the summertime, being a Boston sports fan, talking Boston sports, and living up to the expectations to perform in the greatest sports city on earth, why that never rests. Which is why Fitzy and Hart here with you until 1 p.m.-ish or so, until we pass the baton over to the Red Sox pregame show, brought to you by Mass Mutual, in advance of a 2-10 start from the south side of Chicago. Red Sox at White Sox in the rubber match of their three-game series. We never rest. You always have to live up to expectations. What are those expectations? Why they're to be great or at least perform, entertain, and give us a team to be proud of. We are talking which team and which players, which ownership groups and more are under the most pressure right now in light of this conversation began, of course, with the trade of Marcus Smart uh, for Kristaps Porzingis and the pressure the Celtics are under to now perform having moved one of their core players from the past decade or so. 
Talking Red Sox now, and the Sox fans, uh, the diehards, the loyal and the faithful of Fenway Andy have showed up and showed out at 617-779-7937. Down south we go for our first call of the program today. David is in Florida. Hello, David. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good morning, good morning. Rise and shine. It's almost, it's almost noontime now. Yeah. Yeah, first of all, you know, I am so glad that you brought up a few minutes ago the the um the the, the hit for who's the, what's the guy's name? Ellie the rookie. Ellie Dela Cruz for, for the Cincinnati Reds. I, I, I mean, I know this is a conversation in front of the time, but I find nothing, very little, very few records more overrated and overhyped than than hitting for the cycle. I mean, rarely does it have rarely does it have much of an outcome on the game. And it's such an individualized accomplishment, and I, I just find it so overhyped. And that's, a that's just well, but, my but you have to. Well, in one regard, though, before we get to uh, your thought on who's under the most pressure in the Red Sox, David, I gotta say it is such an. It's been done so infrequently, and it is such an impressive. It's such an impressive accomplishment. Well, I know it's a baseball's a team game, but it can be very it can be very individualized, obviously, with pitcher versus batter. Uh yeah. I think it's I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, if it if it were so easy, then more people would do it all the time. And for this kid to do it not even fifty games into his I mean, rookie season, it's spectacular. But so what? I mean, would you rather have a guy hit three home runs in a game or or a single and a double? Uh, I mean, and it's circumstantial too, because to to a, to a large degree, it's dependent upon the uh, configurations of the ballpark. I, I just it, it doesn't do much for me at all. That's just baseball. All these stupid statistics. Whoa! Yeah. All right. Now, who do you think is under the most pressure on the Red Sox, David? Stupid baseball. <laughs> I mean, clearly, uh, Devers. Core. I don't think Bloom is because I mean, unfortunately, I wish he were, but I, I think he's just a toy for ownership, like, like so many of you guys have said. I mean, I think I think ownership is is happy with him, is content with him, as much as disgusting as that is. Uh, I think it's still reality, and I don't know what it's going to take to. I mean, uh, unless uh, um, John Henry comes to comes to uh to his senses and decides to sell the team and, and does something generous and kind for, for, um, for Red Sox nation, this is not going to happen. Bloom is just going to be there because he's doing what he's doing, what his boss has asked of him. And that's just utterly disgusting. Yeah, David, I don't think you're alone in that take on that particular Island. Thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. Um, wow, not David. David in Florida. Let it let it be known. Mark that down on the record. Not impressed, nor a fan of hitting for the cycle, Andy. Well, see, I I to Stupid some baseball degree, and its individual stats. I understand his point is accurate. Like the cycle is circumstantial, mm-hmm. coincident, whatever. It's it's fluky. Like it doesn't mean you had the greatest day ever because you hit no. for the cycle because. Were there runners on ahead of you? Did you lose an opportunity to go for a triple? Did you intentionally go for a triple you wouldn't have in a normal situation? And it is kind of quirky and fluky, but it's still fun. It's still sure. for, for a sport that people complain doesn't have enough action or fun or highlights or young stars to just poo-poo uh, a young player like De La Cruz hitting for the cycle because it's fluky. I, I mean... It's also and before fluky. the sixth inning, usually guys have to go to like the ninth or like right. sixth it's innings a, to get that. It's Ellie Dela Cruz's last at bat. 
top of the ninth. He's uh, he's just a double away from hitting for the cycle. The young, the young rookie who has injected life into not only the Reds franchise but the city of Cincinnati, the National League, and all of Major League Baseball. Like that's a that's a that gives you something to watch for. I also don't know why we brought a, an announcer from the 1930s out to call the game for the either. Reds, but I don't you know, we're just. I get a little excited about it myself as well. Well, would you rather me go Marty Brenneman? I I don't think so. Uh, you couldn't have gone Harry Carey, really. <laughs> Top of the ninth. Here we go for Dela Cruz. This kid's a regular hot dog and cracker jack. If I ever saw a player, the most exciting thing in Cincinnati since the steamboat. Uh, I, I would like to, before we get on to what David said about he doesn't believe that uh, he doesn't believe that Heim Bloom is under any pressure. Uh, let's go to Scott in Springfield because I think he kind of wants to yes and that very same that very same idea. Hi, Scott. Hi, how are you doing? How are you, sir? Uh, yeah, actually, it is kind of uh, what I'm about to say is kind of like a tangent or adjacent to that because uh, I've been listening while I've been driving around, and when you started talking about Heim Bloom and Alex Clara, uh, I think it comes down to perspective of who the fans are putting pressure on versus who's actually feeling it. And I think Alex core is probably feeling it more, but as far as the fans are concerned, all the pressure should be on Heim bloom, but I don't think he feels it because I don't think he's, you know, he comes up and he says what he wants to say to make, you know, to try to appease everyone. And he just seems to be pretty carefree, you know, with everything he says and, and, comfortable with his position and it doesn't seem like his position's in any threat right now so i think you know that it it just made me think that there's a perspective to look at here where yeah like who's actually feeling the pressure versus who the pressure is actually on mm-hmm. yeah exa- exactly and, who's feeling it versus who's the pressure on you have to think though that the pressure is on bloom because if there's anyone who yourself and david and a lot of other people scott i believe feel like he is basically an extension of the want and wish of ownership to try to bring in a competitive team and develop young talent while also not getting into the crazy tax thresholds of paying hundreds right. of millions of dollars. He's trying uh, to he's trying to do what he did in Tampa and in a in a much bigger market. <laughs> you know, with a with a, with with fans with much more expectations. So for all we know, yeah. you know, for all we know, Scott, they might be quite happy with the job he's done until they feel like they need a scapegoat, and then I think he would be the first guy out, and that and him getting scapegoated could come in the form. And I appreciate the call, Scott. Thanks very much. Uh, I think Andy, he like once they feel it in their wallet, once the bottom line is affected, once revenue goes down, once all of a sudden they're like, "Gee whiz, we got a lot of leftover hot dogs after that game." Like, "Gee whiz, there sure were an awful lot of empty seats on TV again." Gee whiz, no one's talking about us, and it's only late July or early August, except. Who are the Red Sox going to sell off? Then maybe Heim Bloom could be in uh, the scapegoat sites, if you will. We're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. Doesn't feel awesome right now. Not going to lie to you, Heim. Uh, I just did a quick check. So the Red Sox home attendance right now is 31,721. I call hogwash. Twelve. Well, yeah, that's fair. But um, this is according to ESPN. They are 12th in Major League Baseball. It's that's da- sad. Uh well, they were tenth last year. It's down like seven hundred fans per game on average. Not a huge uh, number for a partial season compared to a full season. And we'll see what happens 
later in the year, depending on whether they fall out of uh, favor with the fan base and, and how the, the season trends. Um, but I, I, I do think Heimblum's in a weird spot. First of all, he never ran the Tampa Bay Rays. I think mm-hmm. that's something that gets lost. Like, right. oh, he's trying to do what he did in Tampa. What he did in Tampa was advise and assist others. And also what he did in Tampa is not good enough in Boston. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Fitzgerald, Mm -hmm. you've never attended a Tampa Bay Rays victory parade for a World Series title. I have not. I have been to Tampa Bay Rays games both with the Red Sox and against other teams from that fabulous tilted roof toilet in St. Petersburg, but I have never been to one of their parades. Andy, you haven't been to their parade either, have you? No, I know you went has... to Puerto Rico, which is kind of close to Tampa, but you didn't do that during your time off? The nope. only person, as a matter of fact, Joe and Andy, who could have gone to one would be somebody like The Flash if he went into an alternate timeline in the multiverse because it's never Correct. happened. Correct. So, And we just know that it's a different market. We just know that the, the competitive nature of the market for sports fans and their uh, dollars is just different here, and the expectation is to win. The Red Sox helped set that expectation uh, under John Henry, by the way, people that want to put John Henry on the hot seat, John Henry's leadership led to World Series titles. Theoretically, he should be adored in this city. He absolutely is not, and I know the reasons why, and I don't disagree necessarily with some of the reasons why he is disliked. But I think I'm it began blue- with Mookie Betts, and now it's gone into the bl- the Bluminati. How, how long do you get in any job? I mean, four years? Four years? What would you say the plan is here? Where are we going? Where do you see yourself in five years? By the way, five years is next year for your five-year plan. And I don't feel like they're right on the cusp of breaking through suddenly. So whether John Henry liked the plan, liked the bill of goods that Heimblum sold him or whatever it was going to be, the plan is not working. The plan puts you in last place most of the time. You had one crazy uh, Kike Hernandez-led postseason run where he was the hottest hitter on the planet. Other than that, the plan seems terribly fruitless at this point. It, it seems flawed. It's yeah, and the fa- like that's another thing that we sleep on, or at least someone like myself may be guilty of glossing over. This is usually where I would expect you would be like, well, that's what Fenway frauds like yourself usually do. So I'll do it for you, Andy. So one thing that we do gloss over often, like, oh, four World Series championships this century. My God, we're not supposed to complain. Bill Simmons says after every championship, there's no complaining for five years. Okay, well, it's been about 20 years since the first one. So we're kind of getting into that territory where it's like time to really see what the next plan is and what the next iteration uh, of the team is going to be. And it's all it's Marcelo Mayer, Rafi Devers, and and, and Brian Bayo has now entered the chat as part of the building block. And Yoshi. Yeah, and Yoshi too. We yeah, we we love Yoshida. I think that poor that poor guy. If anything, like he just he just churns out hits. He's a fan favorite as well. But you know, even he can only be expected to do so much. The guy is not an offensive. He's not Shohei Otani. He's not a an offensive powerhouse. He's an on base machine. But you know, there are things to like about this team. But my I think my grand grander point is we gloss over the fact that they have finished in last place a shocking number of times this century as well. Like, yep. They don't just finish in second or third. They're like the boomer bust Boston Red Sox. It's like, oh, my gosh, unexpected postseason run. Can you believe they're in the ALCS again? Versus like, and that'll do it for the season. The Red Sox finish 75 and 87 on the Shaws. Like, it's it's disappointing. It's more so it's frustrating because just when you want to, like, wrap your arms around this team and 
maybe if not get ready for another postseason run, but root with them right to the end, they peter out. And I just don't understand why this continues to come come back around and bite them in the rear time and again. Well, and it's one thing to be boom or bust. For a while there, it was them and the Giants. San Francisco were boom or bust teams. They won like a couple of World Series in the early, like during the Buster Posey prime years. They won a couple, like maybe three World Series, Andy? And they alternated last place. Three in like five or six years. And that's okay. I think people can deal with that boom or bust. But what happens when it's bust, bust, bust? Ooh, one little run, bust. Like, this is a bad franchise right now. And and I know Lou pushes back on this on Twitter and really gets into fun. What do you expect? I expected that four years into Bloom, we would see a direction. We would see what the idea was. And if, if we didn't, this is Boston. How much longer do you get? How much longer does John Henry continue to run him out there to allow him to... I don't know, not care about home runs, trade away home runs, not spend money on big free agents, seemingly only want one- and two-year deals for older players. Like, I I don't know. This isn't, you know me, Fitzy, sports entertainment, the Mm -hmm. E, entertainment. I want to be entertained, and I don't know. And I've had discussions with a lot of, so I I obviously rub elbows, and you do too, with baseball people because we coach. And I tend to Mm -hmm. think that people have that are coaching baseball at the youth level like baseball. They don't do it because you know for any. It's yeah, they want to be there for their kids, but they also enjoy the sport of baseball. And a lot of people I talk to in the coaching ranks are like, "Yeah, I'm not really watching the Red Sox anymore. Like I don't really get what's going on. I don't really care. I'm not really invested in very many players on this team." Exactly. That's bad. Stopped. It's so strange. I would think most folks would stop us and say, like, so what do we think? Can Mac do it this year? We'll get to the Patriots in just a couple minutes, folks. Um, you know, hey, what, what's Belichick thinking? Are we going to get Hopkins? Blah, blah. And no, more of it is recently has been at random spots, out for dinner with the family, by the beach, in town and around. It's like, so should I be watching this Red Sox? Hey, Fitz, how do we feel about this team? Like, can they get back into it? Should I buy in? And I, I, I don't know what to tell them. And, and Lou, another one of Lou's points on Friday was, like you say, like he gets into it with people on Twitter, what did you expect? Yes, you're right to expect that after a couple of years, Bloom's plan should be taking shape, and this should be a cost-effective competitive team. They sort of-ish are that right now, but his, I think his grander point on the what did you expect front is, what do you expect? These are a bunch of guys. This was a pretty illuminating point to me that he made Friday. A lot of these guys are not 150 or 162 gamers. Like, these guys right. are role players and fill-ins and, you know, guys who can give you maybe 400 at-bats tops on the season or are openers or long relievers at best, and they're now getting often pressed into starting roles because this star is hurt, and this guy's on the 10-day IL, and this guy's now been transferred to the 60-day IL. So Lou's point was these guys are going to keep getting hurt because they're getting stretched out into expanded roles that they're not meant for. To me, that's bad chief baseball op operations we're in the entertainment business yeah Yeah. we're in the entertainment business you should remember remember that more often heim bloom and i am not i am not entertained i was gonna say which one of us was gonna go for the maximus retreat (laughs) (laughs) one more call fitzy would have hit it first i was it was on the cusp but andy stole my thunder there but it was perfect it was excellent russell crow he's online too he'd like to congratulate you for the impression (laughs) so uh, 617-779-7937 is the number one quick call before we go up against the break and then we'll see who's under pressure on the boston bruins before we pivot at the top of the hour for the Six Rings Patriots Power Hour. Allison, one of our favorite Boston Red Sox voices in town, would like to talk Heim Bloom. Hello, Allison. Good 
good morning, guys. I wanted to say that, that Bloom he has given into pressure twice. I don't think he intended to, to sign Trevor Story. People complained that there was no money spent after the lockout. Trevor Story fell on his lap because Trevor Story, well, obviously his agent lied to him. He would have wanted to go to the Rangers, but his agent didn't tell him about that deal. So that's why this, and then, and then I'm sure I was like, oh, great. Now I really don't have to sign Xander. I'll have Trevor Story, who will cover until Marcelo Meyer's ready. I mean, that's what he did. And the other thing is, I don't think he intended to sign Rafi in this offseason and give him all this money. But he again had to do it because what happened with the Xander deal. And so he does give in to pressure. I mean, those are two things that I don't think he wanted to do. I don't think those were in his comfort zone. Um, but the fact is that it's just, it's, it's, I mean, I thought, did anyone else notice that it was divine justice that Andrew Benintendi hits us so well? And that yesterday we lost the game. Andrew Benintendi, he traded for, I don't know why we got rid of Andrew Benintendi, for Franchi Cordero, who we released, who the Yankees picked up. We released him, and Josh Winkowski. And Josh Winkowski had his worst pitching performance since last year. And to me, it was like, this is divine justice. There's a lot of, okay, I always say this. Sean McAdam, when I first started calling way back in 2000, I was like, why does Brian Cashman get all this credit for that dynasty team with the Yankees when it was Stick Michaels who put it together? And what Sean McAdam said is, yes, but Brian Cashman didn't feel that he had to get rid of those players. He just added to them. He didn't trade them. Dave Dombrowski was someone who liked our core that Theo and Ben Charrington had drafted. When he was with Detroit, he wanted Jackie Bradley Jr. He liked our players. He kept these players. Haim, it's scary. He seems, I, I think, really do think. I mean, he, 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 he ruined the team last year. He started off with the black Paul of, of the way he lowballed Xander, and then Ralphie as well, and not that both of those two years could have even been better, could have been better, and he didn't do it. And he's just leading. I, I think that he totally wanted to be his, even though most of the farm system is actually Dave Dombrowski. And, yes, and, and, and Andy Hart, what you said about Haim, I'm always saying that. Why did you trust this guy? He was the assistant GM for Tampa Bay. And I also have one more thing, pressure, pressure, that the Tampa Bay model of just constantly adding these new people and bringing people up is never going to work here because of the pressure. And the Lou Maloney, that with you when you were in for Greece and Fourier, it was wonderful. That Lou Maloney said that when he said these people, they're not used to, I mean, that like Pablo Ray, in, even in AAA with the Oakland A's, it wasn't the starter, didn't play every day. And that you can't, that this may work in Tampa, but they're not used to playing every day, and their bodies are getting damaged because of all the pressure with the media and the fans. It's, and the thing is, what upsets me, with so much of the core gone, I don't know what we can do. I mean, I'm, I, mean I, I just can't believe it. I thought we were building something, and I always wanted, anyhow, I think I made my point. Have a great, have a great rest of the weekend, guys. Bye. Thanks, points, Allison. Points aplenty made abundantly, appropriately, and accurately, Allison. I think you just summed up the better part of what we, the callers, and most Red Sox fans have been thinking and feeling for the better part of, I would say, the last two seasons since the Red Sox were bumped from the ALCS by the Houston Astros way back in the fall of 2021. Andy, we are up against it. We're just a couple minutes late here. We've got to pay them bills when we come back. We'll quickly cycle through the Boston Bruins to see who we believe is under the most pressure there before we get to the Patriots on a carefree yet under pressure packed Sunday edition of Fitzy and Art here on Boston Sports Original 93.7 FM WEEI. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Getting near high noon on a Sunday edition of Fitzy and Hart, heard all across the fabulous WEEI Sports Radio Network, 93.7 FM in Boston, the Odyssey app, WEEI.com, and our amazing affiliates all throughout Maine, New Hampshire, Western Massachusetts, 105.5, I believe, out in fabulous Springfield, 103.7 down in Providence, and of course on the Cape, 96.3 FM. Andy, who would have ever thought would be... On a Sunday morning, you and me, early summertime, talking hockey. Boston Bruins, no less. Joe, did you really think this would ever happen? Is this a reality you manifested into existence? Well, we did talk about it during the break, so yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, Joe knew this was coming. It's a quick break, no less, because we don't want to get uh, out over our skates, if you will, here. But since we are talking about the players, the teams, the personnel, the management, the coaches, and more that are under the most pressure in Boston right now, We have cycled through your Boston Celtics after the Porzingis for Smart trade. We have gone through the Red Sox. A lot of people feeling the discontent towards ownership. A couple of players maybe, but mostly Heim Bloom. Not a great day for the Bluminati. And now quickly we'll address the Bruins before we get back into our comfort zone that is the New England Patriots with our Six Rings Power Hour coming up. Andy, who would you say, in light of the failure to advance in the postseason, let alone make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals and give what I think was what everyone wanted to see, which would have been Bruins versus Knights, Bruce Cassidy versus his former team. Uh, Who would you say heading into this next season is under the most pressure for the Bruins? I think this is the most interesting discussion, actually. The Bruins and Mm. uh, their players, their coaches, uh, management, the whole thing. But I'm going to say what I think is the obvious one, and that's Jim Montgomery. Oh, he by a by a country mile, hundred thousand percent. He arrives to replace Cassidy, mm-hmm. and he immediately they're good, they're successful. There's no let off. The players are happy. Everything falls into place. You're the best regular season hockey team in history, and then you immediately fall on your face in the postseason. Mm. And questions about his decision making or even his. Um, ability to make decisions and not pass the buck to goalie Bob and some of that stuff. So uh, Jim Montgomery heading into year two, even though there will be a different lineup and roster and some changes, I think he is far and away the Bruin under the most And don't forget the guy that they can for Jim Montgomery is bringing the Stanley Cup all over the place like it's his own child. Going to Cape. Yep. Going to Cape with Fitzy. Bruce Cassidy has got the the Stanley Cup will return back to Massachusetts. It'll make its way all the way to Cape Cod just in the hands of of the guy that used to run the team who won it with the Knights. Yeah, I mean, it's it's for me, maybe right now Patrice Bergeron is feeling some pressure on whether or not to return. I would say David Krejci likely won't return. I think Bergie's probably a 50-50 split right now. There have been some, there have been, there's been some talk of, uh, I forget which former player it was who says he doesn't believe either player is going to return. Maybe Bergeron's feeling a little pressure. Should he? Shouldn't he? Does he want to go out like that? Is this good enough for him now? I mean, he's played for so long. Do they think they have enough in them to be able to make one more cup push right now? Uh, I would say also, even though Don Sweeney pretty much pulled all the right strings and made all the right moves last season, Don Sweeney's under a little bit of pressure right now because you could be losing stars like Krejci and Bergeron. you got to figure out... Who you may trade, who you're going to keep. Do you move Taylor Hall? Can you re-sign Bertuzzi? What about Snarls? 
uh, you know, Dmitry Orlov. Uh, there's a there are like, are you going to trade Hampus Lindholm, who you may have overpaid, who you may have overpaid when you extended him a couple years ago? He was not much of a factor this past season, although he told insert name of foreign newspaper here, a Czechoslovakian newspaper here, that he was playing with a broken foot or had a hairline fracture in his foot. Um, but I would say under the second most pressure right now is Don Sweeney to try to reconfigure this roster with the limited salary cap that they have. And then after that, I would probably put Pasternak because even though he just came off of a massive season, was it 61 goals? Um, I would like to see David Pasternak come through and lead the team, you know, just not, not, you know, not just be a stat monster, but actually be like a postseason hero as well. Carry the team. Maybe that's just not what he does, but somebody has to because, for the umpteenth postseason in a row, the Bruins got pushed around again. They, I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if they have it in them to make another. They don't need to make as epic a run as they did this past season, Andy. But they can't just go in and get bumped in the first round on their home ice again. Nailed it. If we're going to uh, talk about players and on ice personnel for the Bruins under pressure, certainly Pasternak, new contract, best player. That reality, that great pressure, transition to the post-Bergeron era, I think, in all likelihood, that's all on him coming off the postseason failure. And then next in line to me is mm-hmm. Linus Allmark, who had a great year, did not have a great postseason, mm-hmm. injuries, health status, whatever mm-hmm. it was, but also, was this an aberrational year for him, or is this who he is? Is he a number one goaltender? And he has the added pressure of, Hey, that guy over there is pretty good, too. He's ready to go if I'm not uh, up to snuff next year. So I think Olmark, to prove that he is a number one goaltender, bounce back from the postseason, retain his job, I think there's some significant pressure on him. Uh, it's all about having the mind of a goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> is that a flushable mentality? <laughs> exactly. If we could just flush it away and start over again. Unfortunately, you can't. And I think a lot of fans are having a hard time flushing away the memory of losing in overtime on home ice in Game 7 and so many other difficult pills to swallow from the failure against the Florida Panthers. But I think I agree with you. I don't even know if Allmark's going to be part of the picture. Like, you, Swayman may get the job. And See, that would be really interesting to me. That's a ballsy I, I, I ball. think his value is never going to be higher. And oh, I, I, I probably agree with that. He's He's coming off a great year. Now, there's some people that believe, I know Razor believed sort of circumstantially this wasn't, you know, unforeseen. This was the natural development of his career and opportunity and everything that went into it. I, I don't know if I totally buy that. I, I'm kind of with you. I think there's a chance that Swayman is the future of the goaltending position in Boston. I agree. And they may call up somebody from Providence, in which case I forget the name of the kid that they think would be ready next yep. as well. My apologies in advance on that. But I think if Allmark stays, he may be under as much, if not more, pressure than any other player. But I think universally, as we head to break, to reset for the top of the third and final hour here in the program. We can all agree the member of the Boston Bruins under the most pressure heading into the 2023-24 season is Monty Jim Montgomery. You too, Joe? I am on the Monty train of most pressure. And we got a th- and we got a three-host Monty right there. Beautifully Terrible. well done, gentlemen. Executed to a T like a couple of pros. 617-779-7937. When we come back, it's time to talk Patriots who is under the most pressure and who, surprisingly, is backing the quarterback saying a big year is coming for young Mac Jones and who in the division may be already hitting 
some harder times than expected in advance of training camp. We will cover it all for a nice little sneak peek at what's coming up. A nice portable version of our Six Rings Power Hour is available at weei.com in the form of Andy Hart's Sunday 7. It's all coming up here. Don't you guys go anywhere. Fitzy and Hart on WEEI. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.